we are sons and daughters of the living God. That is just an amazing truth, isn't it? And we've been doing this uh, short series on Joshua. And we're going to look at the next section of Joshua, which is actually the second half of Joshua. So I've only got about 12 chapters to get through this morning. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, But the title of this talk, or the title I was given, was Subduing the Land. All about subduing the land and how that applies to us in our lives. And what I want to do, first of all, is just take a a few minutes for each of us to reflect maybe on where we are right now. We did that series recently on holiness. And I don't know about you, but for me, I I thought that was a fantastic series. I mean, we we had some great talks on holiness, but it, it really brought home to me some messages, I think. You know, God's gift of holiness, but his challenge for us to be holy people. What it means to be set apart, to be different from the world not to conform to the world's ideas, to be in the world but not of the world. And I've reflected quite a bit since then. You know, what, what does that mean for individuals? What, what does it mean for me in my life? You know, do, do people that I come across, do they, do they walk away and say, oh, he's a bit different? Or do they just think, you know, I'm, I'm one of the crowd? We're called to be holy. We're called to be different. I wonder what God was speaking to you about during that series on holiness. And what one of the things that God was speaking to me about was about my prayer life and how that needed to be better. And that's something that I'm working on. But what did God say to you during that series on holiness? Maybe there's other stuff going on in your life right now. What spiritual battles are you struggling with right now? I don't know what they are. And I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. But I want us just to to take a moment, just in, in quietness, to think about what battle you're facing right now. What do you want to have victory over? What's God speaking into your heart? What's God whispering to you to say, come on, we can do this better? Or maybe God's shouting at you (laughs) and saying, come on. (laughs) But what is God saying to you? Just, Just spend just a few minutes quietly before God. Father, in the quietness now, as, as we listen for your voice, uh, as we look at our own lives and examine our own hearts, speak to us now about where you want to take each one of us. The things that you want to change in each one of us. Father, speak clearly to us right now so that we know what our next step should be. Father, thank you.
I think it's really important that we try and get specific with God. You know, it's, it's easy to say, well, I want to be a better person. I want to follow Jesus better. But it's easy to stay at that kind of superficial level and say, okay, well, what does that actually mean, God? What, what's the next step you want me to take right now? And that's where it gets more challenging and more difficult, isn't it? And this is all about taking the promised land. And I just wanted to review really briefly the, the story so far. So this is actually uh, the view from Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is the mountain where Moses died. And I've not been there, but this is a photo from the top of the mountain. And this is looking out over the promised land. So Moses had been leading Israel, and he knew he wasn't going to get into the promised land. But when he died, God took him up to the top of the mountain, and he showed him the promised land. He said, this is the land that my people are going to occupy. Yeah. Good view from the top of the mountain. Love to go there sometime. So Moses had led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They traveled south through the desert, down as far as Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, where God gave them the Ten Commandments. They traveled north again, as far as Kadesh Barnea, and Kadesh Barnea, as you may remember, that's the point at which Moses sent out the 12 spies to go and look at the promised land. And two of the 12 spies were Joshua and Caleb. And they came back and they said, yeah, this is a fantastic land. It's flowing with milk and honey. There's all sorts of good things there. But 10 of them said, oh, hang on, hang on a minute. There's giants there. We're never going to take this land. And Caleb said, come on, this is the land that God has given us. But the other ten said, no, come on, guys. We're never going to be able to take this land. And so the Israelites became afraid. And because of that, they ended up wandering in the desert for another 40 years. That generation were never going to occupy the promised land. The only two people, God said, that were going to actually occupy the promised land were Joseph and Caleb because they were faithful. They'd seen the promised land and they said, yeah, this is what God has promised us. Let's take it. Nobody wanted to trust them. Nobody wanted to trust God. So they wandered in the desert, eventually came to Mount Nebo. That's where Moses died. That's when Joshua took over as leader of the Israelites. And that's the point at which they started to take the promised land. Crossed through the Jordan, Battle of Jericho, some of the other big battles. And Martin, a couple of weeks ago, uh, talked about some of those things. And so finally, under the leadership of Joshua, the Israelites were taking the promised land. We reached chapter 13, halfway through the book of Joshua. And... Chapter 13 starts like this. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you're really old now. <laughs> he said, you're really old. But there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Age has nothing to do with this. You might be old. Joshua was probably somewhere between 85 and 100 years old at this point. 
So he was getting on. He was pretty old. But God said there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. God still had plans. So they'd already occupied some of the land, and that, that was the land east of the River Jordan. So two and a half tribes had their land. The tribe of Reuben and Gad and uh, half the tribe of, of Manasseh. They had occupied that land east of the Jordan. But they still had to occupy or subdue much of the rest of the promised land. And in verse 13, it says, But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Maacah. So they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. And that's a theme that's repeated several times through Joshua. You, you, you see that that phrase is repeated, that the Israelites didn't drive out the people completely. Now, I don't think this is about um, ethnic cleansing or, or genocide. If you look at other passages, it, I think it's pretty clear that God was never intending the Israelites to eradicate every single one of the Canaanites from the country. But it was very clearly about the Israelites staying pure and staying holy and staying unstained as the people of God. It was about removing idolatry, immorality, corrupt practices of the Canaanites who were, in all honesty, a pretty corrupt people. And they were into child sacrifice and all sorts of really bad stuff. And it's clear from several passages that the Israelites didn't completely remove that stuff. That was still a subculture, if you like, that was going on. So then we've got uh, another six or seven chapters, which largely, I have to say, are fairly boring, okay? Fairly boring. Uh, they're about how the land was divided up, and... It's all important stuff because it's following God's commandments about the borders and the extent of the land and the boundaries and the towns they were taking over. And it's all about being obedient to God. But there's a lot of boring stuff in there, to be honest. Um, but I just want to pick out a few things from those chapters uh, as I read through them, a few things that I think are really interesting and have relevance to us right now. So the first thing is about Caleb. We know about Caleb. He was with Joshua. He was part of that group that spied the land. And we read about Caleb's inheritance. And Caleb said to Joshua, You know what the Lord said to Moses about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. 
while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. And what a fantastic story about Caleb. He was passionate for God. He was on fire for God. Forty years old when he went and spied the land. Forty-five years later, and he is still absolutely on fire. And he said, I'm, I'm as strong now as I was then. I want this land and I want to take it. No fear, just trust in God, wholehearted trust in God. Fantastic lesson for us, isn't it? Contrast that with a couple of the other tribes. Manasseh and Ephraim, they were the sons of Joseph, two of the tribes of Israel. And they'd been allotted some of the land by Joshua. But the people of Manasseh and Ephraim, they went and complained to Joshua. They said, hey, look, we're, we're two big tribes. You've only given us a small amount of land. We need more land than this. And Joshua said, well, okay, you can have more land. There's all that hill country, that forested area. You take that land as well. Their response was, uh, can't you give us something a bit easier, please? That land's full of Canaanites, and they've got chariots, and they've got iron on their chariots. Give us something a little bit easier, because they were afraid. They were afraid. And Joshua's response was pretty simple. He said, yeah, those Canaanites are strong, but you're stronger. You've got God on your side. Go ahead. Clear the land. The next important part of the story, reading through Joshua, is that the land God was giving them, the land that they were subduing, was God's land. And so in Shiloh, they set, set up uh, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. So uh, that was hugely symbolic because that land was their spiritual home. It was God's land, the land that God had given them. And we read, the country was brought under their control. The country was brought under their control. So they'd conquered the promised land, but there were still seven Israelite tribes seven out of the 12 tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, and you can kind of hear the frustration in his voice at this point, he said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? 
This is going on for years, guys. Take possession of the land. God's given it to you. So they sent out groups of people from all of those seven tribes to survey the land. They came back and drew lots as to which of the tribes were going to have different parts of the land. And so bit by bit, all of the promised land became occupied. The different tribes occupied the areas that had been allotted to them. Still not everything went to plan. We read just a little bit about the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan had been given their portion of the land. But when they tried to occupy it, they met resistance. Then it got a little bit tough. And so rather, pu- rather than pushing ahead, rather than taking over this portion of land that had been given to them and given to them by God, they looked to take an easy road. They didn't want to do the difficult thing. They didn't want to push through and take possession of everything that had been given to them. So they took over some of the easy towns. It doesn't say an awful lot about it in Joshua. It says a bit more in Judges when you read later on in Judges. But they didn't do what God had planned for them. They didn't receive the blessing that God had planned for them. And not only that, they also turned to some of the false gods of the Canaanites right at that time. So eventually... All of the land is subdued. Some problems along the way. Some areas where the Israelites weren't as obedient as they should have been. Didn't do it God's way. But the land was eventually subdued. And we read in Joshua 21 about the Levites. And of course the Levites were one of the tribes of Israel, but they were not given any of the land. They were not given a portion of the land because the Levites were effectively the priests. And so what happened with the Levites was that they were divided up over 48 cities throughout the land, throughout the promised land. The Levites were to occupy 48 different cities. And what that meant effectively was that none of the Israelites, or pretty much none of the Israelites, lived more than a day's journey from one of the cities where one of the priests lived. So it meant that all of the people could stay close to God. Which is another really important principle for us, isn't it? God had given Israel the land, had given the people rest, and they were able to stay close to God. And in the final verse of this chapter, it reads, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Every one of God's promises is sure. What he has promised... He will fulfill. So at this point, the land is subdued. And 
the tribes from the east of Jordan who'd been joining in the battle and helping their other Israelites, they returned home. So the Israelites had full possession of the land. The job was done. Joshua said to those two and a half tribes on the east of the Jordan, he said, go back home. He says, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But, but, be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God. To walk in obedience to him. To keep his commands. To hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them, sent them away, and they went to their homes. And so we reach the end of the book of Joshua. And the last two chapters, Joshua is coming to the end of his life. Chapter 23 starts and it says, A long time had passed and God had given Israel rest. Joshua was getting old. He knew he was going to die. And so he called all the leaders of Israel together. So the, the leaders, the elders, the judges, the officials, he got them all together. Because he, he wanted to pass on something really important to them. He knew he was going to die. So he got them together and he says to them these words. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast, hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. So he's warning the leaders of Israel, telling them, be faithful to God, be wholehearted to God. And then in the final chapter, Joshua calls the whole of Israel together, gets the whole nation together, and he reminds them where they've been, where they've come from. He reminds them of their history. He reminds them of Abraham, the father of their faith. He reminds them of Isaac and Jacob of Joseph, of their time in exile in Egypt. He reminds them of Moses, of the exodus, of God leading them through the desert, of the battles that they fought and the battles that they won when they occupied the promised land. And then he tells them, you've got to make a choice. He says, now fear the Lord 
and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates, the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates, gods your ancestors served beyond Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And of course, everybody remembers that famous verse, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But Joshua's telling them, you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice today. What are you going to do? And the people, of course, dedicated themselves to God. And actually placed a big stone under an oak tree as a reminder. Interesting thing to do, huh? Put a big stone under an oak tree. Then he took a large stone, set it up there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. See... He said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. And Joshua died at 110. (laughs) Subduing the land. We are redeemed. You and I are new creations. We are new creations in Christ. God has given us the gift of his spirit living inside each one of us. Through the death of Jesus on the cross, we have been redeemed. We are new creations, but that work is not yet complete. And the question is, what are the spiritual battles that we are fighting right now? What are the thoughts? What are the behavior patterns? What are the practices that God wants to see subdued in us? What's the next victory that God wants to see for you And for me, how many times do we stop short of completely occupying the territory that God wants us to occupy and subdue for his kingdom? Honestly, I I, I look at this and I think in terms of areas of my life that God is calling me to subdue. And to put under his lordship. Have we limited God by being satisfied with something less than our full inheritance? Do we see a few victories, a few improvements, and then get complacent because that's good enough? 
when God's calling us into a life that goes way, way beyond our current position? Do we grow tired of the struggle? Do we just settle for good enough? What can we learn? Obedience. Wholeheartedness. I think God is telling us not to paddle in the shallows half-heartedly, but to plunge in the deep. Fully committed. Fully committed to Him. To not be afraid. Whatever we're facing, whatever battle we are facing right now, it's in God's strength that we fight. And we've got nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. It's in God's strength. But God calls us not to compromise, not to leave the job half done. To have full victory, to take over the land completely. Don't look for the easy way, way out. Don't compromise on God's best for you and for me. God is with us. He says, don't turn to the right or to the left. Hold fast to me. God will fight for us just as he promised. God done so much for us, but he wants to do so much more. Age isn't a barrier. It's not an excuse. Look at Joshua. Look at Caleb. God has so much more that he wants to do. We need to submit to him. We need to choose today. That's God's challenge to us today. Choose right now. Are we going to allow him to reign? Are we going to allow him to have his way right now with whatever it is you're struggling with, with what I'm struggling with? God wants us desperately to have that freedom to be the people he wants us to be, to win those battles. I believe this morning God is calling us into a deeper relationship with him to submit fully to him, to take a stand, to put down a marker. And maybe there, there's something really specific that God's talking to you about. And maybe this morning is the time when you want to say, yeah, this time we're going to win the battle. And maybe you need a little reminder. You know, they, Joshua put a rock and put it under an oak tree. Maybe go home and pick up a stone out of the garden and put it on your mantelpiece or put it on your bedside table or put it in your pocket to remind you that today you said, yeah, this is the day. We're going to see some change. Joshua said, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God wants to see us being victorious. God wants us to fulfill our God-given potential. He wants to see those battles won.
one by one. You know, it's not as if the Israelites fully occupied the promised land all in one go. It took them years to do it. One by one, winning the battles, moving on to the next one, seeking God's heart, letting him take over in the power of his spirit, in the name of Jesus, for the glory of the Father. Our God is a lion, and he calls us now to step out and to be counted. In Jesus' name, amen.